DiscerningHearts.com presents Inside the Pages, insights from today's most compelling authors. I'm your host, Chris McGregor, and I'm delighted to be joined by Joseph Pierce, who is the author of more than 15 books and is the foremost Catholic biographer of the past two decades. He has chronicled the life and works of, among others, J.R.R. Tolkien, C.S. Lewis, and William Shakespeare. He is also the co-editor of the St. Austin Review and host of the EWTN program, The Quest for Shakespeare. He has taught several popular Catholic courses and is currently the writer-in-residence and visiting fellow at St. Thomas More College of Liberal Arts in Merrimack, New Hampshire. With Joseph Pierce, we go inside the pages of Candles in the Dark, the authorized biography of Father Richard Holong and the Missionaries of the Poor, published by St. Benedict Press. Joseph, thank you so much for joining me. Oh, it's wonderful as ever. Candles in the Dark. What a phenomenal book. And once again, you are, I'd have to say, you are the leader in the the biography, and in particular, the Catholic biography. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. Uh, you That book, of course, is a little bit different uh, from from many of my biographies, because it's not about a a Catholic writer, and it's not always about someone who's dead. Um, So it was... uh, Obviously, um, a slight departure for me, and for that reason, was that I, I did not undertake it without an element of trepidation and even fear. Uh, but, you know, I approached it. I remember I was asked to write it during Lent and sort of took it to prayer uh, and uh, decided that, it, that, that, the, that the fears were, were worldly, if you like, or worse, and that I needed to, to, to grasp the nettle and try to do this. And uh, I'm really pleased, as, as you're someone who's read some of my other books, and therefore, if you like, can discern and differentiate that you, you, you feel that it passed the test. That's very gratifying, so thank you. I couldn't put it down. Thanks. The joy of reading your work. I just, I, you don't want the story to end. And to be able to encounter this incredible life of Father Richard Holong, tell us, how did your past cross? Well, you know, actually, it was, it was you know, normally, uh, there have been exceptions, but normally I write what I want to write and then pitch it to a publisher. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I, I choose, I choose my, my, my topics, my subjects, etc. But in this occasion, the public, publisher actually approached me because they wanted uh, a biography of Father Richard Holung and, and the missionaries of the poor. And the, the, the publisher had obviously had read several of my other biographies and thought that I, you know, I was the person they wanted to write it, I was a person I thought could do you know, a good job uh, with it. So they approached me, and as I said, that's why at first I, I, I was not sure. Uh, it's obviously a departure to write about a, a contemporary, present-day religious as opposed to you know uh, some uh, a writer from the past. You know, I'm a Catholic, but it's not necessarily within my sphere of speciality, or even what, what the, the fear was, even within my sphere of competence. Uh, that that was that was the fear. Um, but as I said, I thought, well, you know, I, 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 I won't say either no or, or yes until, until I've prayed about it and, and tried to empty my heart and try to listen uh, to discern. And I came to, the, I came to the conclusion, no, that I was meant to write this. And I was meant to write this for various reasons. And one of them was because I really thought that perhaps this was going to be important for my own spiritual journey. In other mm-hmm. words, that I would, I would grow closer to Christ uh, in my engagement with Father Richard Holung, and, and therefore it was something that I needed to do. Um, and, and fears had to be put to one side, and trust in the Lord, and trust in the gifts that He's He He that he'll, He gives gives me, and uh, and take it from there. In some of the most 
compelling biographies you've done in the past, as you've said, it's been on writers, whether it's Oscar Wilde, Alexander Solzhenitsyn, L.R. Belloc. I mean, the list goes on and on. But those were men who were able to articulate themselves through their writings. In this particular case with Father Holong, it it was different, wasn't it? Yeah, very different. And you know, my my uh, my milieu, if you like, is both literature and British history. So you know, writing about British writers from a hundred years ago is exactly you know my comfort zone. But I really thought that part of my writing this book was to get beyond uh, and outside my comfort zone to actually you know to embark upon, if you like, a pilgrimage of of, of faith and a pilgrimage of trust, um, in, in actually engaging with Father Holong and allowing the Lord. To to uh, if you like uh, enrich me uh, through my experience with him, and then somehow that that richness uh, that I that I gained from from my engagement with Father Holung and the Mission of the Poor would there, there thereafter pour forth in, in 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 the story of his life and his work, and I think that's what's happened. I I, I I'm very gratified to to hear you say that you, you that you've. Uh, you enjoyed the book because I know you've enjoyed you know, several of my other books, uh, and I, I, I see that as, a, as, as further, if you like, vindication that that that, uh, that the books the books achieved what I hoped it would, which is basically to to convey uh, the the beauty uh, and the and the richness and the faith and the love and the suffering and the joy of Father Hulang and the missions of the poor. And also, I said, a very important byproduct uh, is, is I've actually grown very much in my own faith and my own understanding of suffering in particular uh, from my engagement with Father Holung. Such an unusual beginnings for this man, the fact that he would come to us from Jamaica. But that's not even really his true origins, because when you look at his parents, the background of Buddhism... Does that play a significant role, do you think, in part of the seeds of his formation? I think it does. And I think, again, that's one thing that made things a little bit easier for me at the beginning was, is, is that, uh, you know, one of, one of the things I do specialize in is writing about converts to the Catholic faith. Mm-hmm. Of Father Holung is a convert to the faith. And in that sense, you know, I, I, I could be comfortable walking with him and, and telling his story. He was the, the, the child of, of, of poor Chinese immigrants to Jamaica, so he he was born into poverty, and he was and he was also born as an immigrant, a member of my, uh, a minority community. Uh, and I think the Buddhism was important because Father Holung's retained what I would call a healthy reverence for creation, a healthy mm. reverence for nature. And of course, he was taught uh, as as a Buddhist, uh, brought up as a Buddhist. He was taught by Franciscan sisters from actually from New York, American Franciscan sisters in Jamaica, and their Franciscan love for nature harmonized uh, very well with, uh, um, with, with, with his Buddhist roots, if you like. And so that, that, that allowed him, if you like, to transition towards Catholicism without necessarily doing violence to, to, to his existing beliefs. And then at secondary level of education, he was educated by the Jesuits. And uh, that sort of confirmed him in, in his Catholicism, and he was received into the Catholic Church. And both of his parents, both of his Chinese parents, were also eventually received into the church. The Jesuits, uh, a very prominent character as a whole, that they play in this book, don't they? They do, and there's a chapter called "The Call and Fall of the Jesuits," um, you know, which might be seems a little bit provocative, but it, 
there is there is no real secret about the fact that the, that, that many uh, members of the Jesuit order, including many of the leaders of the Jesuit order, during uh, should we say the 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 madness that followed in the wake of the the Second Vatican Council, did lose the plot somewhat, and they they, they quite frankly some of them became heretics and certainly modernists and. And so Father Holang was sort of being, uh, was at Jesuit seminary at the height of all of this. And he's very candid about the fact that they'd become very worldly, mm-hmm. uh, that they weren't embracing the life of the Gospels he saw. Father, Father Holang's always had this calling to, to help the, the poorest of the poor, and, and not just to help them, but to suffer with them. In other words, to take up their cross as his own. And so he has a very much an ascetic sensibility that was really was, was, was violated by, by the, the, this uh, almost addiction to the creature comforts and the zeitgeist, the spirit of the age, which, which um, afflicted many of his Jesuit brothers during the 60s. And, uh, you know, so it was uncomfortable. And he, and he, he loves the Jesuits, and he's quite deeply indebted to them for the education that they gave him, and indeed for the, you know, for the camaraderie he had as a Jesuit. But he received, he received permission to basically move on from the Jesuits and found the Brothers of the Poor. And this was really where his true vocation was. It's to actually to get his hands dirty, if you like, with the poorest of the poor in one of the poorest countries in the world. Just recently with the selection of now Pope Francis, with that Jesuit background, but also had that heart to reach out to the poorest of the poor. It must have been a fascinating thing for you to experience, given your encounter with Father Richard Holong. Yeah, in fact, I, I can certainly see parallels because uh, the Pope Francis seems to have this blend of the Franciscan and the Ignatian, you know, the Jesuit and the, and the Franciscan. And uh, Father Holong certainly has that. You know, he's he's imbued by by the Ignatian spiritual spiritual exercises, but also in love with the whole Franciscan approach to 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 God's creation and and you know, Lady Poverty to give give himself fully, if you like, as a spouse to Lady Poverty, which is, of course, what St. Francis did and what Pope Francis is doing. And the other thing is that Father Holung was a, was a literature professor, you know, and one mm-hmm. of his favorite poets was, was Gerard Manley Hopkins. Uh, and I can see why, because Hopkins was a Jesuit who also fell in love with Franciscan spirituality and Franciscan philosophy and blended that love of nature with a sort of deep meditative um, if you like, uh, Ignatian understanding of, of, of the relationship of, of, of man to God and the relationship of, of both to creation. Uh, so this Franciscan Jesuit mix, I think, is very powerful. And we see it in, the, in Pope Francis, we see it in Father Holang, and we see it in who is perhaps the greatest poet in English language uh, after Shakespeare, uh, Gerard Manny Hopkins. So it's a powerful combination, the Jesuit and the Franciscan. Well, I just have to marvel at how God and his providence places people the most unusual circumstances and allows them to just really spring forth and even father Hulong's great love for music and in particular for the culture that he would be placed into the jamaican reggae culture who would have thought who would have thought that he would also have that wonderful expression of faith through that media yeah, and again, this was one of the one of the difficulties for me at the beginning because you know I'm I'm very sort of tradition oriented, particularly mm-hmm. in uh, in my approach to to the liturgy. You know, um, I love Gregorian chant, I love polyphony, um, and certainly I'm not in favour of you know uh, I'm not very comfortable, should we say, with you know with with guitar hand handy clappy masses. 
and he had a father who long you know, wrote the Caribbean Mass, and I first heard it. <laughs> and I couldn't help like I couldn't help liking parts of it. I mean, the Alleluia is very catchy. And when you go across to when you go across to um, to Jamaica to the ghetto, they 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 sort of do this Caribbean Mass, and in the heart of the ghetto, it seems to fit. I don't think it's I don't think it's for export. I don't think it's for universal, but I think it certainly seems to fit there. And what I what it forced me to do, uh, prompted me to do, was to look at what the Catholic Church has always taught about enculturation. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and 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 you know, in some circles, you know, the word enculturation has now sort of taken on uh, a bad uh, connotation, as if it's something new that the Church has only been talking about for the last thirty, forty years. But you know, it goes right back to the early days of the Church. Saint Gregory the Great wrote about enculturation. That basically, you know, you can. It's okay to use the the indigenous culture where you are to bring people to Christ, as long as it does not con- conflict with uh, the truths of the faith and the gospel. And you know, I the, the, the analogy I came to was that I I I was very anti-Catholic, very anti-Christian as a young man. Mm-hmm. I w- there was no way you'd have dragged me into a church, and there's no way I'd have been interested in listening to Gregorian chant or polyphony. And the only real connection I had as a, as a child. Uh, growing up, if you like, in the ghetto of, of the East End of London, was the gospel music of Elvis and Jim mm-hmm. Reed. And, and the point is that that brings you on. It's not meant. It's not meant to be where you stay. It's supposed to lead you somewhere else, uh, lead you somewhere deeper, some s- somewhere higher. And I think that's what Father Holung does. He 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 preaches through music, and of course, most importantly, through his through his action and the action of the brothers in, in loving the poor, but also through his music speaking to the people of the ghetto of Jamaica in the language that they understand in order to bring them on, in order to bring them further in. Uh, and ultimately, if you bring, you bring them further in, then they become more interested in other aspects of the faith. So I think it's very powerful. And I've been there you know, at, in, in Jamaica where there have been, Father Holong has a new musical out, for instance, and the most mm-hmm. recent I went to was, was on the Acts of the Apostles. And you know, there, there are tens of thousands of Jamaicans come to see these musicals of all religious persuasions and none. And, and, and it's, it's a great power, a uh, great weapon, I would say, of evangelization, evangelizing the culture of Jamaica uh, with this wonderful uh, gift of music which he has. I love the way how you just are, uh, articulated all that, especially in the area of the enculturation and the importance of understanding that properly. You know, as you were speaking, I couldn't help but recall how the Holy Spirit, by bringing us you know, the, the, those beautiful moments with the Blessed Virgin in the guise of Our Lady of Guadalupe or Our Lady Cabejo or even the various ways that she comes as the culture could appreciate and experience her. Exactly, you know, and, and, and that's to Gregory the Great taught, you know, that, that you, 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 you take the culture that you have it, so that the, the, the church went around and, you know, it, it, it put Christian feasts on existing pagan feasts. It turned pagan temples into Christian churches. You know, it, it didn't, didn't burn them all down. If you like it, it baptized them. And, and, and that's, that, that's basically what Father Holung's doing in Jamaica. Um, he's baptizing the culture by meeting the culture where it is, but with a profound and orthodox Christianity. And, and it's very, very effective. I've seen it there. And, you know, would I want the Caribbean Mass at my local church in South Carolina? No, I wouldn't. But does it fit in the ghetto of, uh, of Kingston, Jamaica? Emphatically, yes. And I've seen it. And I know it does. This book works so well, again, Joseph, because 
of your ability to be able to see the passion in the heart of the person that you're writing about and what drives them, as you did with Hilaire Belloc and so many of the others that you've done. I keep going back to that one, but Old Thunder is still one of my favorite books. One of, my, one of mine, too, so you can carry on praising that one. I love oh, it. Okay. But, <laughs> I love it mainly because I love Hilaire Belloc. And uh, uh, actually, this afternoon, we're having a, we're having a, uh, an afternoon with uh, the path to Rome with Hilaire Belloc. I've got a priest friend of mine coming in to give a lecture, and we're going to have an open discussion. So I'm, ha- I'm, I'm about to embark uh, soon after this interview with a uh, on a, a Belochian uh, adventure at Thomas More College here, so that's exciting. Well, this is just, I mean, but it's beautiful because you do identify that essentially in the heart of Father Hulang, who were those who have been given charge of a mission or a, a particular focus that the Lord has put on their heart, they, they kind of have to have that intensity to be able to keep moving it forward against that culture that wants to squash it. Exactly, and you know, and and they 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 go further. I mean, like, he's been he's been called the uh, Father Holong's been called the male Mother Teresa, mm-hmm. and there were parallels there because you know the, the, the missionaries of the poor, like the missionaries of the charity, uh, missionaries of charity, do go into the poorest ghettos and they get their hands dirty. They actually work there. They see the face of Jesus in the face of the old, the disabled, the orphan, the the the, the, the person dying of AIDS, the homeless. Um, and I've seen it at the centres again in Kingston, Jamaica. Um, and their their motto, then they 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 have the the standard, you know, poverty, chastity, um, and obedience. Um, but they also have uh, part of that is free service to the poorest of the poor. And their motto is joyful service with Christ on the cross. And I love, I mean, that sort of touches my Chestertonian lover paradox: a joyful service with Christ on the cross. In other words, that we can be crucified with Christ and be joyful about it. You know, and that sort is counterintuitive because we live in a culture that avoids or tries to tries to avoid suffering at all costs, take taking the path of least resistance. And basically what Father Hulang and the spirituality of the missionaries of the poor is that uh, uh, suffering should not only be accepted, but should actually be a cause of joy in our lives. To actually mm-hmm. share the cross of Christ is a is a means of actually being cheerful. Father Holung describes himself as the happiest man on earth, and when you see him, you know, whether he's the happiest man on earth or not, I don't know, but he's certainly very happy. He's laughing all the time, he's smiling all the time, he's got a great sense of humor. Uh, he's a man who's obviously full of the joy of Christ in the midst of the suffering that he and, he and the brothers embrace. Again, I mean, the, the first chapter of the book uh, is called The Acceptance of Suffering, uh, but the last chapter of the book is called The Joy of Suffering, and really that's the journey that Father Holung's taken me on. You know, I, I, I began the book with an understanding of the necessity of accepting suffering, of taking up the cross. Mm-hmm. What I hadn't come to an understanding of is the joy to be found in that acceptance. And by, by my engagement with Father Holung, I came to understand, through his example, through my experience of writing the book, my experience of being there in Jamaica, that actually there is a joy to be found in the embrace of the cross. Mm. There is so much in this book that that drives it not only just the 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 insight and the spirituality, but also just the drama. I mean, everything from the political situation that the brothers and father have found themselves in, and they're having to rail against in many cases, but also just Jamaica in that particular part of the Caribbean is subject to tremendous natural occurrences in the. The chronicling of what happened with Hurricane Gilbert and the tragedy that, I mean, what is that, a Category 5 hurricane 
yeah, slamming I into the island? You know, I, I, I was living in Florida um, for Hurricane Charlie and Hurricane Wilma, was it? I get mixed up here. Um, uh, I, you know, I actually battened down the hatches, as it were, in Florida for two pretty powerful hurricanes. Mm-hmm. But, you know, th- there's a big difference between having to uh, endure a hurricane in Florida and having to endure a hurricane in the ghetto of Jamaica. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, the houses in Florida are designed to be hurricane-proof. Mm-hmm. All you have to do is batten down the hatches, hang on in there, and the only inconvenience you really get is that electricity may go out for a couple of days, which, you know, in the summer in Florida is not very pleasant. <laughs> but mm-hmm. you live with it. Yeah, but put, it, some, it, it, put some water it, in the bathtub. Exactly, exactly. You survive, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just, it's, it's just, it's just uncomfortable. But... But in, in Kingston, Jamaica, with Hurricane Gilbert, I mean, these houses that they were living in were basically tin shacks made, made, of, made of tin and cardboard and what have you. And the whole of the ghetto was completely flattened, and tens of thousands of people were made homeless overnight. Um, you know, this, and this, where were they? They were all in the streets. Where else was there for them to go? Uh, so, you know, it, it almost beggars belief for us to try to even try to understand the amount of suffering that a, that, a, that a natural disaster like that causes in, in, in the poor parts of the world. Uh, and again, Father Ho Lung, the missionaries of the poor, were there proactively in the midst of all that, uh, basically you know, staying up 24 hours a day, um, feeding uh, the poor with soup kitchens and helping them to rebuild their homes. Um, you know, this is, this is the love of Christ in the midst of, of suffering humanity, and, and that's the whole point. The Father Ho Lung and the missionaries of the poor see the face of Christ in the poorest of the poor, and the poorest of the poor, and we see the face of Christ in them. I also am struck that for many of us in the United States, we no longer appreciate what the orphanage is. I mean, I don't know very many places or in many states or cities that even have uh, organizations that are considered, quote-unquote, an orphanage. And yet, in Latin America, in the Caribbean, ninety-four uh, percent of the world, Joseph. I mean, are there not those places that have to take care of the the little ones who are lost because of you know the family breaking down or the parents dying? We don't have a sense of that anymore. And yet, in ways, Father Hulong is having to have to also rail against. Uh, our particular exportation of abortion that says that somehow that's the remedy to all of that pain. Right, right. Well, I mean, again, he's a witness. When you go, when you go to, uh, to Kingston, Jamaica, and you go, for instance, to Bethlehem, which is the name they've given to their, their uh, um, shelter for, for basically handicapped children. These are seriously handicapped children, from, from children with Downs, children that are seriously paralyzed. And um, you realize that these children would, would actually be dead now. Mm-hmm. If it wasn't, for, it wasn't for Father Ho Lung, the Mission of the Poor, taking them in and caring for them, they'd be dead, and and uh, because they'd be abandoned and left to die, basically. Um, and I first went there, and and I I remember first when I was horrified at what I saw, because you know it's it, it's poor, it's you know, and and, and they, there's not much room, so the cots are right side by side, and it's very low tech. And I saw this little girl, and she was clearly paralyzed. And, you know, and my initial reaction was, was one of horror and almost sort of recoiling into myself. Again, fear, if you like, getting the better of me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then she looked at me and she smiled. You know, and I saw, the, 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 I saw it in, in this little girl's face, the face of Christ, and I completely and utterly melted. 
you know, mm-hmm. I, I picked her up. I wouldn't let her go. I was spent the next God knows how long walking around the shoulder holding her. You know, she loved it. She was, wouldn't stop smiling. Um, she was happy and alive. And she was happy and alive because of the missionaries of the poor. And also, as you rightly say, also, uh, that the Father Ho Lung, the missionaries of the poor, have opened um, uh, shelters now for pregnant women. And uh, they've got ultrasound. They've had ultrasound machines donated to them which they're using to show these pregnant women that, you know, that, that, that what they have inside them is a baby and showing mm-hmm. them. Of course, and the whole, whole idea is to, to combat uh, the, the threat of abortion. And, and, and you know, abortion is still, still illegal in, in Jamaica, uh, but there are efforts you know, to, to legalize it. And Father Holung has been one of the most outspoken uh, people opposing the legalization of abortion. And, uh, and again, act, again as ever, it doesn't only speak with words, but he speaks with actions. And he, they've opened this new, this new center for, for, for pregnant women that are, that are in need, that they can go there um, uh, if, if they don't have somewhere else to go and, and they'll be taken care of during their pregnancy. Well, Joseph, I, I wish we had more time, but that's the beauty of being able to pick up Candles in the Dark, the authorized biography of Father Richard Holong and the Missionaries of the Poor. But in the time we have left, what would you want the the person out there now hearing the story, what would you like them to know about the man himself? Well, I think that Father, Father Holong is, as the title of the book suggests, a candle in the dark. And we live in very dark times. There's no doubt at all that you know that we live in live in a, a, a time where where evil is, is 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 prevalent. We live in you know if you like in some ways a new dark ages. But you know it, it is true that holiness in the midst of evil does shine forth, and that light you know is, is gives gives hope to the rest of us. So he's an inspiration and he's an aspiration because you know that we we know that we are called to be like him because we're called to be like Christ. He's Christ-like. We're called to be Christ-like, and in that sense, you know, the candle, the candle in the dark, which Father Rich Ho Lung is, uh, can lead us all closer, closer to Christ, who is, of course, the source of all light. It's a joy to read, and I just want to encourage you, my dear Joseph Pierce, keep writing and keep Thank expanding. You. I just love how you just your your world and, and your your vision just gets bigger and broader. Well, Chris, thank you. And again, I'd I'd like to thank you because you are a a great encouragement to me and we all need encouragers. So thank you so much. You're very welcome. God bless. God bless you. With Joseph Pierce, we've gone inside the pages of Candles in the Dark, the authorized biography of Father Richard Holong and the Missionaries of the Poor. To learn more about this book or to obtain a copy, go to stbenedictpress.com, the website for its publisher, St. Benedict Press, or you can find it at any fine Catholic bookstore. To hear and or to download this discussion along with many others, go to discerninghearts.com. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. Join me next time for Inside the Pages, insights from today's most compelling authors.